Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the fourth edition of the Red Side of the Trent podcast. I'm your host, Christian Brown. And as per usual, I have Lee Clark, Reese Lane and Alan Wicklow with me. It's been a pretty eventful two weeks since we last had a chance to speak to you. Forrest lost 2-1 at home to Cardiff City. This was then followed by a 2-0 loss at home to Middlesbrough, which brought the curtain down on the Chris Hutton tenure. And then a few days later, all was well again as Forrest beat Huddersfield uh, 2-0 away for their first win in the league since Easter Monday, which is quite staggering. We think of this of that really. And it looks like a new manager could be uh, coming in, which we will touch on very shortly. But obviously, we'll start with the Huddersfield game. And, well, Reese, it was like watching a different side, wasn't it? Um, I, this is the first game I haven't watched this season because I was um, in Manchester for a gig, ironically. So I'm like, well, I would say I was a bad luck charm, but I think <laughs> everybody's um, in the same boat. But I did um, watch the highlights this morning, um, made a note of watching the highlights. I've seen the goals yesterday on Twitter. Mm. Um, I was following the, following the game on a well-known betting app. I'm not going to say the name. Um, but even like the first 10 minutes, I think we had... I think was it three or four corners or four shots in the first ten minutes, and I'm like bloody hell! Straight away, like um, a lot more positive, and then obviously it come up saying we'd scored, um, which was a brilliant run from Brennan Johnson down that right, electric pace, and then you know, like I've said for a few weeks, and that you put it on a plate for a striker, yeah, off the bottom, um, obviously grabbing it was this time, brilliant diving header, uh, made it look easy. Um, it was, I know it was a free header, but a diving header, not exactly easy. He made it look simple. And then I've got to half-time, 1-0, and you think with how we've been, don't sit on it. And then, you know, the second goal's a bit fortuitous. Good strike from Yates, good, made a good save, the keeper. And then Lolly's just really put it back in the mix and we've got a bit of luck for a change and it's gone in. Um, and then... <clears throat> Um, they had a couple of chances at the end uh, and we got away with a free header that should have really scored. I think it was Tom Lee should have really scored. But yeah, just delighted to finally get a win, a clean sheet, grabbing score, and your striker score and everything good all round. So yeah, brilliant. Uh, Adam, I guess like a lot of people said after the game that it sort of felt like the shackles had come off from Forrest. And I know obviously you've been very vocal about Hutton in particular on these pods. I mean, I'm guessing you must have felt that way as well, that it was a message that was like a, a lift for the whole team pretty much. Yeah, man. Like we were we were just getting forward, Lolly especially. Um, I think a lot of people have been a big critic of his for the last two seasons, you'd say. Um, and he was beating players, he was having shots, he was a threat all game. 
Um, whether whether he's claiming that goal, I'm not sure. It took about four deflections before it went in, but um, he's in the right place at the right time. You know what I mean? Forest fans have been waiting to see the Joe Lolly who was quoted at £10 million going to Aston Villa a few seasons ago. Do you know what I mean? He, there is a good player in there. Um, I just think, like you said, Christian, the, the shackles have come off. Um, uh, and a lot of the players that managed to express themselves, people like Garner getting on the ball a lot. I think the change of formation was massive for us as well. Um the the allowance of Jed Spence and Max Lowe to get much higher up, allowing Brennan Johnson and Joe Lolly not to defend as much uh, because you've got that mm. defensive cover in McKenna and Worrell either side of uh, of our wing backs. I just think it offers more fluidity with with the squad we've got really, um, and you can still revert back to that four. It, it's it's great and it's good to see someone realise what this team can bloody do, isn't it? Um, I'm sure Lee will add, add a lot more analysis than I have, but yeah, it's just it's just nice to talk about a win, uh, and and obviously all the people who who love Yates are back out, aren't they? Because he had an half decent game. <laughs> we will touch on that, don't worry. Um, but yes, Lee, before we get onto that rather moot point, um, Stephen Reid, you know, I guess he was one of the coaching staff that wasn't um, relinquished of his duties after Houston went. I guess that we was and maybe it's from a club point of view just to have someone who knew the players rather than throw in Andy Reid. But you have to say is you know the way he spoke after the game, the way the players seemed to respond to him, like the Athletic was saying that he's very well liked amongst the group. Done himself no harm really in terms of staying on the coaching staff at Forest and something that we should be hoping for to happen. Yeah, I think um, Adams just reeled off several players there who obviously played well yesterday and deserve credit, but. I think out of everyone, probably Stephen Reid deserves the most credit out of um, out of the whole whole showpiece yesterday. I just think it'd have been so easy for him to kind of just play the four two three one. Um, I'm only going to get one job, uh, one game. So you know, why should I give a toss if you like? So instead, he thought, do you know what? We've not been playing very well. I just thought it was really interesting that a Chris Hewton appointed coach would just completely change it around. So, I mean, has has he been? On the training ground in Chris Hewitt's here to to actually mix it up, and he's kind of well, no, because this formation's worked for me in the past. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep telling the press that I haven't got the players to play a different formation, and and hope that eventually we go on a little run. Um, it makes you wonder, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, I just found it really bizarre. But I mean, fair play to me. Actually, thought, do you know what? If I if it's only one game, I'm gonna go out with a an hundred percent record, and and fair play to him, he mixed it up, and there was no excuses which. Sadly for Chris Hewton, we'd become accustomed to, as dignified a bloke as he is, particularly in his press conferences this season, it's it's how good the opposition is. I mean, I never realised there were so many teams akin to Barcelona and Real Madrid in the Championship <laughs> um, without Chris Hewton's been talking this season. Um, or it's all been about, you know, what he hasn't got rather than what he has got. And I think yesterday showed that, used properly, this, this squad is nowhere near as bad as the bottom of the, the Championship. This is what we said as well. And to be fair, Reese made that point a few weeks ago. So that, you know, if you look at the squads, man for man on paper, position for position, there's no way that should be bottom of the league after eight games. It's appalling, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, like I said, great to get a win. Great, a clean sheet as well. Fantastic. I know Samba looks, obviously, came in from the colds. Well, I say came in from the cold after his little stay on the naughty step. After, um, and obviously, with Horvath, then gave it straight back to him. Um, but yeah, he may have had one thing to do, really, which. Mary's going down well, and that was it. I mean, we asked you guys about what you thought, and uh, so read out a few of the comments. So, Red Claudius said, a breath of much needed fresh air. Uh, Matt Dakin said, oh, so they do know how to play. Uh, Liam Gillis just exhale 
I can imagine there's a lot of us for relief that we've got something on the boards. Uh, Pierce says, yeah, crazy how a formation change and attacking football actually helps with results. And that's something echoed by Stuart Smith, who said, amazing what positive formation and a bit of creative freedom can do. And this leads me on to the next point of Lewis Graben, who I believe is called his 43rd league goal for Nottingham Forest against Huddersfield, which I think puts him very close to Earnshaw. I think Earnshaw about 47. But for whatever reason, like there's still this element of the fan base who just haven't ever really warmed to Graben. I don't really know why that is. Like, they just Whether they think he doesn't care or they think he's not passionate enough or he's just lazy. I don't know what it is. But Reese, for someone who scores, I mean, he's got, I think it's 100, he's approaching 150-odd games for Forest now. Someone who really gets like, what's it, one in three record for us. Why hasn't he shown more appreciation? It's tough. It's a tough one, isn't it? Um... Went the season when he scored 20 under Sabri, you know, people was like, well, the chances he missed, he should have scored 30. But then they don't see some of the goals he did score. You know, he scored some quality goals that season. I remember the second one at Fulham, he kind of dropped the shoulder off, I think, off the post on the inside of the bar. Um, he scored a brilliant header against Blackburn where he was lent really... Uh, far back and he had to like get the power and loop it into the far corner um, the dart I know it was a bad back pass from Bogle but the derby goal you know straight on it dispatched it um, I, I, don't, I don't know why I guess um, I don't know really I mean we, we cried out for a 20 goal striker for all these years and then we finally got one it's like oh he's still not good enough I think sometimes it's kind of you've got to be you know looking where we are we are still a championship club we all want better players but you know if someone's got a one in two record at this level then Premier League clubs are looking at him Exactly. You know, I, I, it was the same when we were going to sign uh, Maya. You know, someone I seen someone on Facebook put one in three goal record, not for me. And I'm thinking, what, what, what do you want? Do you want him to have a one in one record? Because Forest aren't going to be picking up that type of players. It's just not. So, I mean, even one in three in the championships, fifteen goals. Like if you think, think of it that way, it's not. Yeah, bad. it's not bad at all. Like, and, and, and you look at Graven's one, and he. And it has been for the same for Taylor as well this season. They've been starved of service. You know, he's had Graven's had two chances in the last. Or oh, I'm missing out a Bora game because we hardly created anything, did we? The Cardiff one he put out away brilliantly, and the one yesterday. You know, he, I know there was pretty open, but not dead easy. You know, the, no. the Cardiff one he had to put put through quite a few bodies, and yesterday a diving header. <laughs> It's not, said, exactly. it's not the easiest thing in the world, you know what I mean? And he, and he met mm. it to perfection. I think people's gripe with uh, Graben is the fact that he gets the armband and he's probably not a captain sort of person on the pitch, if you know what I mean. He doesn't do like enough, like get the people, get like the team going, sort of thing, if you know what I mean. Like there's not enough gesticulating or whatever you want to call it. I think, I think that's what I think that's what it is, isn't it? There's no waving the arms around and pointing and like that, like some other people do. But I think that's the only gripe people have got a lot with him. I think that's why people don't like him. But like Reese says, if you don't feed him, he's not going to score. But you've gave him two good chances in the last couple of games, and look what's happened. I mean, and and it's the same with getting the ball out wide and getting it into the box. That's happened three times this season. We've scored goals. It's it's not fucking hard, is it? 
No, but it's interesting. <laughs> it's because you turned. Yeah, well, uh, it's interesting about the whole sort of the armband thing because me and Lee have had this conversation quite a lot, and you know, I Miami take of it is much like Kane for England. You know, he's our best player. He's our best striker. Why is it such a bad deal that someone who you trust eight times out of ten, I'd say, put through on goal to score? Why is it a problem if he's captain? I, I genuinely agree. I think it's one of them. I, I'll go on record as saying I've never known a player as good as Lewis Graben at Forest. This is who gets so much stick. I find it absolutely ridiculous. Um, as Reese has touched upon, as whoever we played up front for the last, certainly for this season, it wouldn't have mattered because we don't get the ball to them anyway. Um, I just think the captaincy thing is starting to really bug me. I think we're so quick to kind of say what other certain players are saying, doing on the training ground every day. How do we know what Graben's doing on the training ground every day? He could be the, the first in practicing his finishing. He might be the last to leave practicing his finishing. Just because he's not always got a smile on his face, it doesn't mean some people just don't like the concept of being a professional footballer. They just, it's their job. <laughs> do you know what I mean? You do get some players who are typically a bit more... I can't think who it was, but I've read a book before where uh, it was a footballer, a good one. I can't think who it was off the top of my head. But they, in it, they basically say it was their job. They turned up every day. They always gave 100%. But away from the training ground and away from the stadium on a match day, they didn't give a toss about watching any other games or anything like that. And Graben just strikes me a bit of, of that sort, just because he's not running around. And I, f- I also think there's another, when it comes to why don't we like him, if you think of a Matt Derbyshire type, they would turn up and score, say, four or five goals, but they'd also do four laps of the pitch. So they'd never be in the box when you needed them to be. Um, but because they were showing that they were running around and sprinting about and doing probably the, the centre-back's job at one point and this, that, and the other, everyone's like, oh, wow, he's putting a shift in for a centre-forward. When really, if a centre-forward's not... Yeah, exactly. If a centre-forward's not in the box, and the, you know, let's use Brennan Johnson, for example, if he puts that ball in yesterday... And Graben's still running into the box because he's been doing James Garner's job in midfield. Then, yeah, he needs calling. But yesterday he was there with, and I'm sorry, but anyone who is saying on social media that that finish yesterday was bread and butter and easy, a diving header at um, speed. Yeah, I'm not sure you've ever played football. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> everyone gets an opinion, sadly. <laughs> but um, it's interesting though because one player who does potentially cover a lot of plays of grass. And did play well yesterday was Ryan Yates. And I think I'm actually looking forward to this bit. Um, so it's interesting because for seven games of the season, even up until Friday evening, you had fans on social media saying one of your manager's jobs, first thing to do is drop Ryan Yates. Plays well yesterday and suddenly he's the Nottingham version of Zinedine Zidane. I, the, the, I do think there needs to be something in moderation here because... I worked out, actually, I did some, some number crunching. This is one for all the stats gurus who tell us how fantastic he is. So yesterday was his 70th start for Nottingham Forest. We've won 20 of those games. It's a win percentage of 28.6%. If you think if that's a manager with that stat, they get sacked. Obviously, it's completely different, and obviously, he's not in charge of the whole team. But it does mean that we've lost 40% of all games that Ryan Yates has started for Nottingham Forest Football Club. So at what point do you have to say, like, it's fair to say he was a big part of the problem before. And also, if you look at look at these um, appearances in detail, like I'd say on, a bear, on average, there have been five times where we've said that, you know, Yates has had a stormer. So you've had 
West Brom away, Derby away, Borough away when he scored just pre-COVID, that's who will draw. Rotherham away last season and Huddersfield yesterday. So that's works out on average at one good game every 18. Like, this guy started for Nottingham Forest Football Club. It doesn't matter. Like that's you know, just take it in moderation. Obviously, it, it helps Forrest if he's playing well, because if he plays well and the team wins, it's great. We're all happy. But equally, I'm not having someone try and make out, oh, we're all the eight haters, like he's in a danger down on steroids, because he's not. <laughs> like, let's get it right. He's not. I think I think some people generally want <laughs> generally feels as if people want their agendas proven. You know, Yates, I he isn't for me. I when he burst onto the scene, I thought, wow, he's gonna be a really good player. I remember putting it into my into my friends group. Um Lee touched on it the other week saying we thought he was a second coming of Chris Cohen. Now, personally, I think from when he did burst onto the scene, which was a pretty decent side as well, you know, as, as most exem- expensive squad we've had, I personally think since then he's digressed, personally. Um, you know, we're nearly on 100 games now. In the, it, it just isn't for me. I've got nothing against him at all. Um, and I'll happily give him some praise when he's played well consistently. With, by all means, I'm not going to blow smoke up his arse after one game in which the whole team has played well as well. You know, it'd, it'd have been interesting yesterday, let's say, if Carvalho would have started and wouldn't have created anything, but would have been part of a good team performance like he was quite a few times under Lamouche. But he, he just get that just gets discarded out the window when it's him. Oh, he hasn't done this, he hasn't done that. Well, yeah, I just, you know, yeah, just look to praise the team. Yeah, just look to praise the team when we've won. We've won, we've won his first game of the season. You, you've got a kind of fans like making, not making out like as if, oh, I'm trying to get one up over other fans and that. I just don't get that mentality. I mean, like I tweeted this morning, I've been banging a drum about we've not had enough chances for strikers. Grabbing scores yesterday, the last thought on my mind is to go on Twitter and be like, oh, Where's all the gravinators? You're not saying out now, are you? Just, just find it baffling, really. But I guess that's social media now. We, we, I mean, it is a cesspit at times, isn't it? Mm. It is very odd. I, mean, I find as well with Carvalho, I mean, obviously touching on it very lightly, I find uh, all the eights again, because it, as you said, it tends to be one or the other. If you, you love Carvalho, you don't like yeah. Yates. <laughs> he was just, he's just the best ever. example, isn't he? I think <laughs> don't like Carvalho. These are the two who get critiqued the most, Yates and Carvalho. Obviously, Jao's kind of gone out of the picture now. Um, I find um, with so, yeah. Carvalho, though, when he does play, like, because it's so limited, when he does do something, I mean, he's still our joint top scorer this season. When he does. <laughs> We're saying like, Bradford. But... Yeah, that's right, no <laughs> but when he does do something, because he gets such a rare opportunity to show what he can do, mm. I think that when he does do something, everyone's sort of like, oh, I know this is great. Like Yates is the mainstay in the team for reasons that, and it's another thing that, like, as we both pointed out um, on Twitter after the Borough game, like, oh, all these professionals that keep picking him, what, all these professionals have now been sacked from the strategy yeah. who no one wants to hire. Yeah. And none an of them have got another job as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but I mean, obviously, like, you know, positive, no, have a hat on, we have won a game. And hopefully, if we are to play 4 3 4 3, and because a lot of people are saying that Yates was playing a good, like, 10 yards further forwards, and that enables him to 
know, get on the ball a bit more, you know, do the simple things a bit quicker, a bit easier, get Forest moving better. That obviously benefits us, but like you say, we need it to be a consistent theme. It doesn't have, it can't just be one up every, like, like we just said, it can't be one every 18 games that we get, oh, Yates played well. You know, he needs to, we need to have, like a consistent thing to say on that Forest side. I really do believe that, especially with Jada coming through. But um, obviously, Jada wasn't on hands for Chris Hewton and the three-four-three was something that he never deployed, which I suspect is something that may have played a part in his dismissal. Because I think we're all in agreement here. After that Borough game, there was no way he could have lasted another day into that job. He, he should have gone before the break. I just find the decision baffling, to be honest. Absolutely baffling from the club because. I mean, don't say they've kept him on for another couple of games because they've got a point at Derby. I just, I just, I can't get it round my head. And they, they, they have fixed it. Well, it looks like they're going to fix it, obviously, because he's gone. But I just can't, I just can't get it round my head. They could have got, they could have got rid of him, and then you would have had probably a week where they could have negotiated with. It's looking going to be like Steve Cooper. And then you'd say, look, now, nah, Steve, you've got a week to work with these players you know, and implement your ideas and get it over in a week. Now, nah, you know, he's coming in. He'll probably come in. I don't know if he comes in tomorrow, for example, say, um, you know, sorts all the stuff out like they do. And then, obviously, you're going into a game in, at the weekend, which <laughs> which will be Millwall. So we all know what we're going to get from them as well, <laughs> similar to Borough and Cardiff. On the topic of those two games, Adam, obviously, I know you've um, you've got a chance to watch those two. Just how poor were they? I mean, it looked like, I mean, the first half hour against Cardiff, I mean, apart from the first 10 minutes, sorry, from minutes 15 to 30 against Cardiff wasn't so bad when we scored. But, you know, the rest of it was awful. We had to say the Borough game towards the end. I mean, that's the performance that gets the manager sacked, really. Yeah, I think against Cardiff, we looked all right. We 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 dealt with their aerial threat a lot. Obviously, Aidan Flint, I think, is their top scorer, <laughs> which says, says a lot, doesn't it, really? Um, and uh, Warren and McKenna did really well. Um, and someone who I've been massively impressed with since they've come in, uh, Max Lowe, did, did superbly to get down uh, the left wing and a good cut back and we score a goal. But then second half, it was the same old under, under Hewton, have a goal and decide not to capitalise and get forward with it. So this brings me to the whole thing about Stephen Reid yesterday is 60th minute, we're bringing on Mighton to to add to the threat of going forward rather than worrying about the opposition where we're putting an attacker player on for another attacking player, I guess. I think because I think uh, Lolly come off because he was, he was probably cream cracking sort of thing. But... But under Hewton, they might have took took him off and put someone more defensive on. So that sort of thing happened, and then against I think, and then obviously we just we just surrender that lead uh, to Cardiff and let him come on to us. And it was obvious. I, I, I don't know why he didn't change it sooner um, and just try and stop them. And maybe I, I don't I don't honestly know. It was it was shambolic. And then Bora, they just <laughs> just. It was just dog. I felt sorry for Mbay so at right back because he's not a right back. Uh, I don't know what Horvath's doing for the second goal, but we just created nothing. Uh, we wouldn't have scored till we played till next week, to be honest, in that game. So it's done, it's dusted now. We, we, it's a new chapter. So I think it's just time to move on now, really. I think he's all touched on it. That, that moment, though, with Mbay so, I mean, I, I guess, like, you know, it's great that Richardson gets his debut. But to do it so shortly after that, it just made it look like he was just throwing a Mesa under the bus, I thought, which I thought was really, really bad, sort of like from a professional stance. It's just like, 
you can't. It wasn't his fault Horvath miscontrolled that ball. So why is he the one being blamed for it? Well, yeah, any any pro uh, goalkeeper or not should control that ball pretty well. If not, if you're not confident, just get rid. It's the championship. You're not Edison or Allison or De Gea or any other goalkeeper in the Premier League who are all pretty decent with their feet. Do you know what I mean? You, you're playing in the championship, mate. Just, just get rid. No one's going to bat an eyelid. <laughs> um, um, and, I, and I felt sorry for Horvath because he, he, did, he didn't do too bad in that game. Otherwise, he was pretty commanding. He could come out and caught a lot of balls, whereas Samba punches a lot. And I, I quite like that a goalkeeper, someone who's just going to come and collect. But Sorry, go on, Lee. No, um, I was going to say, Lee, one thing I saw um, from the press today was that um, Hewton was a bit, or a quarter, as so sources say, wasn't best pleased that there are a number of players that he wanted that fell on deaf ears, and he felt that the players we signed weren't players that he wanted, which I guess would suggest that Forrest made a decision way before that he wasn't going to be a long-term solution. Do you have... I mean, obviously, you know, there's no disputing that Chris Hewton's a decent bloke. I just hasn't worked from at Forest. I mean, what's your take on the whole situation? Um, well, I have heard on various bits and bobs. I mean, again, with transfer wins, I think journalists touch on it all the time. You've got to take everything with a pinch of salt anyway. But I wouldn't have been surprised if the fact that you want to knock our back is accurate. Um, but at the same time, I could probably... Me and you spoke quite a lot last season, Christian, about knock and his delivery into the box was good. But ultimately... We, we're now, we've got a recruitment team that use stats to sign players. Mm. Now, sadly, knockouts, goals, assists, successful crosses were probably not overly successful. And yeah, you can talk about not having a striker in the box to suit his style of play and that sort of stuff. But Dane Murphy coming in clean slate, would he really want us to pay a fortune on Anthony Knockout? Probably not. Really? It's, not it's, it's definitely not a Dane Murphy signing. It's probably not a Chris Brass signing. Um. So I kind of have sympathy with, dare I say at the board, with that one, to be fair, the recruitment <laughs> team. Let's say that instead. Um, but yeah, I, I think, again, he's going back to Cuyutin and his excuses again, isn't he? I mean, come on, there's plenty, of, there's plenty of talent in there. I think for an experienced manager, that would be a very naive aspect if he expected to get a job. I mean, to be fair, he did have 17 months out of the game. But lots, our approach isn't any too dissimilar to lots of clubs in our, in our league now. You have... Managers that are there to look after things on a day-to-day basis, yeah, they might turn around and say, I'd like this player, I'd like this player, and I'd like this player. But there will come a situation where people above them, recruitment teams, will sit in meetings, probably with the manager, and say, look at this clip, look at this clip, what do you think? Oh, yeah, he's pretty good. I, I just, again, I just, I think it sounds like a bit of a, a, a human excuse, to be honest. And he had, he had ample time, just going back to the little bit there, with re-saying about the break, I, I can only presume that all these pundits who are coming out sticking up for him, I actually think he got too too much time on the basis that we giving them two home games was like a last chance saloon. Um, and he went and lost them both at home. Um, I know you could counter that and say a new manager, new manager bounce, you might have six more points on the board. But if anything, the board gave him more than enough chance to, to try and save his job and ultimately it fell short. I do think, yeah. I mean, when, it comes, when push comes to shove, I don't think anyone could accuse... Dave Murphy of not giving him adequate time to sort it out. And, you know, much like you, I mean, I'm sure we've all seen uh, Chris Sutton, who unanimously amongst football fans chats relentless bollocks anyway. But I, it wasn't, I was always shocked to see him pop up and say, oh, the players, the players are at fault when we've clearly seen a change before. 
formation, including four changes from the Borough game. And um, but no, apparently it's all there meant stuff to do with Hewton. I find what stuff I like that quite frustrating. I mean, this is a bloke who probably hasn't paid any attention to Forest. Mm. So go on. Sorry, I was just going to say, just finally on the recruitment thing there, though, it's like Hewton made a big point when he when he was in the position of that he would have the final say on any player. You can't then get sacked after a woeful run of form and saying, "Oh, well, the club didn't sign any players that I wanted." I just think it's a bit. It's very true. It's a bit. I, for a dignified man, if that is, I mean, listen, this might have come from Alan, Alan Nixon. It might have come from someone at the Athletic who's a bit more, you know, in the know. But I mean, if that is what he's he's going with and what he's telling people now, I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. To be fair, he, he's, he, he's got. He can only blame himself. You know, Stephen Reeve's gone there with the same squad he had yesterday and won at a side who was in form. I think Uddersfield were fourth before yesterday. And then we, then we touched on the last pod saying, oh, well, we think we should be beating these. I looked at the table and I was like, oh, these are actually playing pretty well. I, I think they beat Blackpool 3-0 away on Tuesday night, who I'm maybe the week before them. beat Fulham, yeah. And he's gone there with the exact same players and he's, he's produced a performance and a win. Hewton, he, he's got to look at himself, unfortunately. There's no excuses. The really he's stuck with the same way of playing the whole season and it just hasn't worked and he's he's just he tweaked it the tiniest bit you know like putting Graben back in a 10 and but Graben's a poacher and it's just I mean I thought Hewton was going to be a good for us but it's just been really really disappointing yeah I think, I think it says a lot when you get players on social media yeah, subliminal yeah. messages almost like so. Joey Lolly saying uh, something about great to be back Especially out there with freedom. freedom. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's little things like that, and you've you've got to look into it. And surely, like players are saying to the manager that this is not working, and obviously he's just being so stubborn. Because if you're going to believe those leaked uh, WhatsApp messages, and if everyone believes well, from Lyle, true. From like, yeah, yeah. Well, if they're, and if they're coming from Lyle Taylor. I, I completely agree with him. It doesn't even actually bother me that he said something like that about the manager because I think if he's told him to, to his face anyway, what the, what does it matter if everyone else knows? Because if I'd rather you hear that sort of thing because at least you know some people care. I know that he put a bit about the thing about he's just going to get he's just going to get out sort of thing, but maybe now he's gone. Taylor gets that sort of chance and gets starts getting the service. Because if he gets the same service as Gabin, I have no doubt that he scores goals like we've we've touched on in the past. I think he got eleven and twenty two at Charlton the season that he went down before he stopped playing. Exactly. So he's obviously a as a player in there somewhere. Well I mean we signed him on two goals what he scored in the penalty area. A header at the valley and he volleyed one in the back stick at the city ground. They've signed him like Dan Taylor said on another on the other Forest podcast, this they signed him probably on the performances what he had against Forest, and yet, and then we we're going to sign him, put him on a big amount of money, and not play to his strengths. It's just, you know, what a way to run a football club. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so obviously he's very much out of the old and in the new. Now Hewton has gone, and it looks like, as if information is to be believed, that Steve Cooper, the former Swansea manager and England seventeen uh, head coach, will be taking forwards at Forest in a head coach capacity. Cooper came uh, sixth and fourth with Swansea in the last two seasons and obviously was put on gardening leave. It seems like a good... I mean, the more I read about it, obviously I know we've got a few conflicting views on this, the more I read about it, the more I think that, you know, it's actually quite a good appointment. But 
Lee, what do you think? Would you, I mean, all things considered, would you take Cooper at Forest? Are you happy with that if it comes through? Um, yeah. Um, how I see it is I can't, I can't be so vocal for the last, well, since the end of the Blackburn game, really, that I want you and out and then be overly picky when we appoint someone else who happens to, to know the league. It's, I mean, of course, in the, the world of Twitter, people can have that mindset that they want you and out, but they don't want the man we're going to replace him with. But yeah, I mean, he's got to get a chance. I mean, it's not exactly like we're, we're appointing a, a completely unknown. We're appointing a guy who, um, like you say, finished sixth and fourth with Swansea. Not sure they were overly fancied when they finished in those positions either, by the way. So um, I think that's good to bear in mind. Um, I also like that his work, the work he did with England under 17s, um, particularly with Alex Martin. Obviously, he's going to know him very well. So, yeah, I think what our squad needs, I think it's a clever appointment because it's kind of a manager who fits what we need. He's going to play the style that probably suits the squad of players he's going to have for the next three months. Um, and, yeah, it's just it just seems like a, a good appointment. He, he clearly coaches players to improve them. And I think that that is, again, another thing that I was a big, you know, well, I thought it was a big detriment to you and who did he really improve during his time at, at Forest. You could probably say Cyrus Christie last season. This season, player. Yeah. I'm not sure about anyone this season, to be fair. So, um, yeah, I think there's lots to like. As with anything, there is some little doubts in my mind, but whoever we appointed, I would have those. It's it, That's nothing against Steve Cooper. It's just kind of, we're Forest, so the manager, in theory, is going to be destined to, to fail. But fingers crossed, this will be the one that, that sticks. And yeah, he'll get a chance from me. I think it's a, a pretty clever appointment. Absolutely. I mean, I think obviously I hope it'd be nice if we can buck the trend of sacking a manager in every can of the year since 2010. Um, Rhys, what are your thoughts on the potential appointment? Obviously, it hasn't been made. Hopefully, by the time this has been circulated and we're recording the next one, he will be. We've got a few you wins together. Now, yeah. you, I, I'm telling you now, like, we're going to get a notification in a minute from um, the club site saying Steve Cooper hired. But, ah, okay. but um, before that happens, what's your thoughts on the situation? Um, it's not it's not down to me. I, I but I would have personally. I, I know Wilder was second favourite, but we didn't never seem to have wanted him. So that's kind of by the by, I guess. Um, the, the positive for me is this seems to be a Dave Murphy driven appointment. This seems to be the guy who he wants. So that's a positive. He'll know after watching the first few games of the season, fans aren't going to accept us being sat back every game. He'll know that. Um, in regards to Cooper, he's, he's had a bit had a bit of flack from the Swansea fans, which from the outside looking in, you'd have to say is quite surprising because they've got two playoff finishes back to back. But like I touched on the other day in his group chat, when they've had you know some good football on the Brandon Rogers and Roberto Martinez and Michael Larger took him into Europe and they won a cup, won the League Cup under him, they, they probably <laughs> they're probably not in the same position as. Forest, who've been out of the Premier League for how long we have. But something, I was just looking on my phone, um, something caught my eye yesterday um, while Lee was talking. This was um, an account on Twitter um, who said, they're reading a lot about Steve Cooper being really defensive at Swansea and not attractive to watch. Well, the two seasons he was at Swansea, they was the fifth highest for goals scored in the Championship. There was the second highest passing total in the attacking third in the Championship, obviously. Second lowest number of long balls and sick five shot total. So all them stats, 
taught you to a manager who's a playoff manager, really. Mm. Um, so you've got to get you've got to give him a chance. Um, likely you touched upon he's he's been in the England setup, so he'll know how to coach young players. We've got a young squad. We all bang on about the potential they've got. They need coaching, need improving. And unfortunately, Chris Hutton wasn't doing that. No, it's very true. And one of the names you mentioned there, obviously, Chris Wilder, was very public, actually. In his, uh, <laughs> his after, he was, after yeah, he, a job, isn't he? He was very much up for a job. And obviously, even his agent, um, or his agent company, which is Rio mm. Ferdinand fronted, was very suggestive that he should be involved as well. Adam, I know obviously you were leaning more towards Wilder than, mm. than Cooper. What were your reasons for that? And are you subsequently happy that Cooper's got the job or are you still like a bit miffed that it isn't going to be Wilder? I mean, I mean, I banged on about Dave Murphy being, you know, I'm not saying he's, you know, the Oracle like, but the Messiah, should I say. Um, but we've brought him in with good credentials. He seems to know his stuff. You've got to let him do his job. So if he believes that Steve Cooper is the man for Forrest, he feels he can implement the way Forrest want to play, want to recruit, then that's fine. Personally, uh, Wilder, I just think, might maybe have got a bit more patience from the fans. I think he would have been a more popular appointment. I think a few have already made their mind up on Cooper. So if it, if he does start poorly, it's going to be like, oh, it's another Hewton after, you know. <laughs> People said that in the first game with Hewton <laughs> in the Blackbird game. We've only been... Really been playing for 45 minutes, so probably that. And as well, I just kind of think we've gone a while without a passion mission. Um, I guess since probably the Billy Davis era, maybe probably just to get that bit of belief back into the fans. Um, you know, Cooper's not really like on the outset, you would see him as passionate and there's probably good of us a, a talker say with the media as Chris Wilder but um, if that Day Murphy believes he's in the man he's got the stats he knows you know what he thinks best is for Forrest I, I read the couple of pages you put in the group um, Chris about it just got to give him a chance and you know let's see let's see what he does um, Adam what about you Reese, I didn't know your name was Adam. Bloody Bora. <laughs> God. Um, I, uh, I, I was very 50 50 because of all the stuff I was reading, especially like from, from Swansea fans, from articles. And then, like, I stumbled across something about uh, some of his training being like the murder ball kind of thing that we spoke mm. about Bielsa earlier uh, before we started recording, um, and how players ended up being quite physically sick because of how much of the running they were doing, but actually coming back and wanting more. And that kind of gives me that whole Billy Davis kind of feel about Steve Cooper in a way. And there's been a few clips of him at least pumping some fists and stuff to Cow, which which is always a good we thing love, for Forrest. We, we, we love a fist. Manager, <laughs> we do, we do. We absolutely do. We're, we're, we, we're, we're very gullible um, as Forest fans. But do you know what? It does go a long way of a, of, of a manager showing their appreciation for away supporters, home supporters, it doesn't matter because it's hard, your hard-earned money at the end of the day that you're going to watch your team. Um, people say you should get behind your side no matter what. But at the end of the day, if, you, if, you're, if you're buying into a product that you don't believe in, then why should you spend your money? Do you know what I mean? That's, that's how I see it. Um, 
I think with Wilder, because you look at the last five seasons, he's took a Sheffield United side full of uh, journeymen and misfits from League One to the Premier League. You think, well, he's had success. He's had a really bad season last year in the Premier League. But it's the Pre- he was in the Premier League. We weren't in the Championship. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're not even in that. So I, I, I get where I come from wanting Wilder. But at the same time, I don't think he fits the Dane Murphy ethos like Reese has already touched on. Um, so it does stem from that, really. I think I that was one of my um, issues with Wilder. It was much, like you said, it was obviously, if that's what Murphy wants, I'm fine. But my other issue was that I could just see it being a clash. Like, obviously, Wilder left Sheffield United because he wanted full control of transfers. And, you know, if Murphy yielded that, then one, why is he there? And two, we'd have ended up with over-the-hill journeyman championship players like Jack Robinson or, you know, insert any player from Edna Stevens, for example, on like 30, 40 grand a week. And you just think, well, that's the next bomb squad. That was my issue with Wilder. So I think, again, outstanding job at Sheffield United, outstanding job at Northampton before that. But that was my worry that he would just like, you know, completely set our transfer policy back to literally exactly to where we wanted to get away from. I just hope with uh, with Steve Cooper it is a um, a session of he 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 can change games within. Do you know what I mean? He can change. He can sort the team out. I mean, a lot of what I heard about Stephen Reid yesterday was he was getting he was getting grabbing to come over to the side to get instructions on. He was he was always always doing something. There was always something micromanagement, as I I like to call it, with mm-hmm. with football managers. They're always doing something. Do you know what I mean? Um, more proactive than 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 reactive sort of thing. Um, so hopefully Steve Cooper can be like that, especially. And then obviously with his being in the England setup uh, for for a number of years, it's it's it bodes well with having good connections. And obviously we're looking so. to to make our team a, a bit younger. Um, it, it's 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 a clever appointment, really, if we're going to go down this road. But we just need to allow these people to do their job, like like Dane Murphy and all that. And I know. You might touch on later, Christian, that um, the company's houses have changed Ventross's uh, uh, title or whatever, but he should be really removed from from all things Forest. And no, no doubt. And I also agree that there should be a very certain film director who has absolutely nothing to do with Nottingham Forest Football Club, who sits on the board of directors. He should be fucked off as well. He serves absolutely no purpose whatsoever while we're at it. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel even strongly like about ex, that? Even like the ex-chairman now, Randall has it just seems as if he's become a bit of a puppet for the board, really. Mm. It's, it's all quite, it's all quite disappointing. But I think as fans now, if, if it is going to be Steve Cooper, we've got to have some patience. You know, Dane talked about it's going to take a few transfer windows to sort, you know, turn this squad over. You know, we all know the January transfer windows, <laughs> a bit of a free-for-all. We've seen the crap we've brought over the last few years, in it? Mm. So, we probably is, you know, if it isn't, we've got to just be probably a bit patient and hopefully trust the process a bit. Well, this is it. And I think what pleases me as well is that one of the reasons why Cooper had maybe his arms tied behind his back last season was that it basically seems to me, Swansea said to him, you can't spend any money, use what you've got. And I guess obviously it helps having people like Andre Ayew, who's obviously was, was an 80 grand a week at Swansea, supposedly. It must help having players like that. But ultimately, he made a system that worked to his strengths and also kept them tight. And I thought it was good that Reed went to 3 4 3 yesterday against Huddersfield because Cooper frequently played with three at the back last season with Swansea. It was normally it was more of a 3 5 2, again, to get the most out of Ayew. But I do think we can see that 3 4 3 moving forwards, uh, hopefully for 
a lot longer and hopefully with similar results. And that'll start with Millwall. But before we touch on our upcoming games, we've got a little bit of fun fuel. Uh, we asked you, well, we asked ourselves first and foremost, but we asked you as well, like, what is your most underrated Nottingham Forest kits? And not, no, not favourite, not um, best or anything like that. Because obviously best and favourite can be two different things. Your most underrated. And obviously Reese went for the 2007-2009 fur kit, which was uh, all black with a blue and white trim. Uh, Adam went for the Brazil kit from the League One days in 2005-2007. Sadly, on the Mexican, we did not play like Brazil. But, you know, <laughs> the, the, the thought was there. The thought was there. Uh, Lee went for the, the black and green kit in the 11-12 away season, which uh, one of those lovely tailored by Umbro kits, which, you know, it's just a shame that, as I said before, I have this theory that whenever we have a nice kit, it's always a bad season. Whenever we have an ugly kit, it's a good season. Like, do you remember those two pipings from that kit we came third, the Victor Chan the shirt? Not our best, but we got third of it. So, and um, my favourite kit was the uh, the white one, the Real Madrid one, if you like, from 0305, the away kit, which I think was overshadowed blanket. I think no, it's a sort of strong selections there, boys. But we'll start with um, Adam. We'll start with you for the Brazil kit. What makes you want to go for that? Uh, irony um, <laughs> how, for how shit we were uh, um, obviously I, I'm a massive uh, Re- Brazilian Ronaldo fan as well so seeing Nathan Tyson uh, with similar vibes <laughs> I, I always enjoyed um, I don't know I just like it it's just, it's just it's just cool isn't it it looks good I mean uh, obviously we changed it a bit with, with white socks but it's just kind of like not forest, so it was kind of nice, really. Like, I mean, I don't know why where this where that yellow kind of associates with with Nottingham. I go, I guess it maybe a little bit in like the actual Nottingham flag, but it's nothing like this third kit you're wearing, bloody old Christian. It's it's like <laughs> it's like a beacon. <laughs> How's Ryan Yates pass the ball forwards, as we said before? Um, <laughs> uh, Lee, obviously you went for the the black and green one. What was your like, reasoning behind that? Um, I don't really know to be honest, but I, it did give me one of my the actual wearing that shirt actually gave me one of my funniest memories supporting Forest. So back when that shirt was out, I decided to get it with green in fourteen written on the back. <laughs> <laughs> and there is nothing in my madness. When I was at when I was at university, I lived with some West Brom fans. Um, so naturally, when Forest were miles away and West Brom were in the area, I I joined along and just going taking a game. So, and when I watched Greening play for them, he was absolutely brilliant. So I was convinced that two years down the line, playing for Forest under Steve McLaren, he'd still be brilliant. So I thought, yeah, he's going to be my new favourite player. Of course, that didn't really go according to plan. Um, <laughs> and I always remember we played Coventry away. And I think it was just after McLaren had been sacked. Um, Greening played that game and he was absolutely shocking. But it was red hot. So I just had the shirt on. With Green in fourteen, he was probably it was an absolute disaster class from Green in. And on the way out, there was actually a grown man, probably twenty years my senior, who wanted to fight me for having Green in on the back of my oh shirt. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's always whenever we see that shirt, my mates will always say, "Can you remember when that shirt nearly got you beat up at Coventry away?" <laughs> so yeah, that probably should put me off it for life. But no, it, it just always tickles me every time I think back to that that day at the Rico Arena. I think what I like about that one, it kind of looks like a training top. And we always seem to have training tops that are nicer than our kits. Yeah. yeah. So that's my little take on that. And uh, finally, Reese, obviously you went for the the black uh, one with the blue and white trim. What made you opt for that one? 
Um, I do like um, a black away kit. Um, I, I did like the black and gold one. Yeah, we had a few years back without the um, shit sponsor, obviously. But... Yeah, without that clown. <laughs> um, again, it's probably... I'm not too sure, really. Um, I do remember as um, an early teenager wearing it, that shirt in my profile picture on Bieber, I think it was at the time. <laughs> so, um, but very League One, I think was the first season we wore it, didn't we, as an alternative strip when we got promoted. I remember... Um, a go go god bless him and um, coming back from the africa cup of nations and he really struggled for goals when he come back from that and i remember he bobbled one in at Leighton orient away in that kit <coughs> with like these um, bright orange night boots on um and then i think the season after i think the same kit joe garner southampton away from close to the halfway line uh lob their goalkeeper i think they won two now away from home like, oh, yeah. in the Got same kit it. I just think it's like the blue's really nice. The blue's a really nice blue on it, very similar to the um, the away kit, what Carl Frotch modelled with John Pye on the front. That type yes. of blue. I, I just think it's um, a pretty nice kit. As, as away kits, I've been... I mean, I'm not a massive fan of Macron. I say this wearing a Macron shirt and a hat, but <laughs> I've not, just not been really a fan of Macron's away kits, personally. And to be honest, as much as I like Adidas... It was very, at times, very templatey with the away kit. You know, the the, yeah. the one that the one that Lee's wearing. You know, no disrespect to you, Lee, but it's just very like a template Adidas, and the colours like nothing really to do with Forest as well. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I'm that third kit. I've just always been a big fan of it for some reason. Well, that's fair enough. <laughs> the reason why I went for mine, apparently, um, so the story goes. So in Capital One, obviously our sponsor at the time, when they moved or expanded, so they had offices, they went an office in Madrid and had an office in Milan. And that's why we had an all-white away kit and the uh, blue and black third kit, so the story goes. But yeah, it's, it's very nice, very clean. Obviously, we play like Real Madrid, it? I'm pretty sure we got relegated wearing it. Uh, again, for, for proof of my point, the nicer the kit, the worse we play. But um, <laughs> yeah, like, I think it's quite nice. It's got, it's, it's, it's underrated. Like, I remember as well that... Um, the uh, blue and black kit. I don't know if you guys went to it. I'm pretty sure we had, or we, we did have Ajax in the friendly. We drew to all, and for some reason, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if we were wearing it on that day, but yeah, I just remember it. It was very prominent on that day, whether it being in the club shop or whatever else. But yeah, it's always a cool memory. Um, I just remember us unveiling Danny Sonner, Michael Stewart, <laughs> and Brynjar Gunnarsson in that uh, Inter Milan kit, and oh, Gunnarsson God. was probably the only one out of the three who was actually not terrible <laughs> the other two were absolutely horrendous for us oh god yeah that was that was some bad times bad times <laughs> yeah the, the starting to get any better after that for a long time <laughs> anyway gonna move on now um to the next three games because our next podcast won't be until the third so we have Millwall at home in what will hopefully be CPU's first game in charge then we have Barnsley away which is obviously CD Murphy go back to his former stomping grounds and then we have Birmingham City away on 2nd of December, uh, October, not December. So three somewhat interesting, very different fixtures, really. Um, we'll start with you, Reese. What do you think for those and what scores would you go for? Well, Millwall at home, and <laughs> we all know what we're going to get against Millwall, don't we? We saw that, obviously, the last game before um, lockdown happened. Yes. But at home... Massive. 
I had a look at the table yesterday. I think they're around the 18th, I think, around that area. Um, you've got to be lucky to beat them at home, especially with a new manager coming in as well. Hopefully, a bit of a bounce. Barnsley away. Um, I'm not sure how they're doing this season. Uh, do any of you guys know whereabouts they are? They kind of tell you right them. now. Clubs you don't really look out for. Yeah, well, it's the thing. Once you like, once you shit, you don't look at the league table, do you? <laughs> yeah, what's well, the fucking point? Nineteenth, just looking at nineteenth. Yeah. So one win, five draws, and two losses. Yeah, so <laughs> so obviously they're probably having a problem with winning games and drawing a lot. Mm. I mean, away from home, um, it's one of them. And if you, if I think if you can avoid defeat in both them games away from home. Um, Barnsley and Birmingham we took five points out of three um, maybe even I know it's, you don't want to breed a losing mentality but you know even if you lost one and one two that would give you six but it'd be nice to you know beat Millwall at home and then probably go unbeaten at the least in, in, the, away, in, the, in the two away games because then you're setting yourself up and I'm talking a bit further down the line for Blackpool at home I think the next one is after that which is one we should be looking at winning. So Absolutely. Yeah, that should be one you look at and think. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. In terms of score lines, <laughs> I just know what we're going to get against Millwall. And we, I can't remember the last time we beat them at home. Did we beat them last season at home? We did actually play pretty Three well one. against them last and season. Yeah. Screamer. yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking in front of fans. I remember the game on the crank when we were... Um, tuning up and the lights went out, didn't they? And yeah. Pantillimon had an absolute nightmare come out. I remember Barry McCoy against them. For, yeah, when they absolutely, the game, we were pummeled. They absolutely, absolutely pounded. Yeah, our first game of the season. I, yeah. I generally walked out of the ground that light and I think if they lost three or four, and then I'd have been like, yeah, I can't <laughs> grumble at that. Um, I'm going to go for um, a 2 1 win against Millwall. Okay. 1 um, 1 draw against Barnsley. And then um, Birmingham, mm, go for a nil-nil at Birmingham. Nice we don't points. really have a, a lot of goals score at Birmingham, do we? If I can memory serves me correctly. No, it's very. I true. just, I've just kind of forgot last season out of my mind because <laughs> just I think we such a freak really. season, yeah, wasn't it? Very, very um, I'm just thinking of Birmingham going back a few years under Warburton. I remember going and we lost one 0 and Chad Adams scoring. Um, I can't. Well, I, can't I literally can't remember. COVID because I remember we um Thiago still the penalty scored. miss grabbing. That yeah, a penalty yeah. And, you know, we can't save Hogan. it and yeah, yeah. We could have gone two up and we lost two one. Yeah, I mean if that's um, a forest result, that would something really. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, five points. So it's a good start. And also as well, as you touched on, new managers don't tend to lose their first game. So hopefully next weekend at Millwall. Isn't Apart from O'Neill, I'll go out and, and Lamucci. But generally, <laughs> yeah, generally speaking, yeah. they don't. Um, Adam, what do you think from those three? Um, <clears throat> I actually disagree with you, Reese, about Millwall because I've seen a few clips of them and they've they've actually ch- changed their way of playing. Um, yeah, as far Broad. as I know, they as far as I know, they actually try and pass it about and whatnot. So that's mm. maybe what's causing them to struggle a Possibly, bit because yeah. of a change change of style. Um, but they've got they've got players that are threatening, obviously, because they can still refer back to that old route one, especially yes. when you've got someone like Matt Smith up front. Um, but I mean they've got Jed Wallace, who I've always been quite a fan of in the championship, but um don't know why he's not gone to someone better. But 
they're, they're a solid side generally in this league. They're a hard team to play against. But if if we could play like we did at the weekend, then there's no reason why we shouldn't shouldn't beat them. Uh, maybe comfortably like two 0 Um, Barnsley seem to be our our bogey side. Um, the new Walsall. Yeah, they are the new <laughs> Walsall exactly. Or Gillingham. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. Um. They. I think. I think we might. I, I'll take a draw, obviously, there, but I could easily see us losing as well. Um, being they, 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 they played quite an attractive brand of football recently, Barnsley. Um, and I quite like uh, the likes of Corley Woodrow, and that I'd have, I'd have tried to go for him in the summer if we could have, but obviously we didn't have quite have the funds to do. And the right striker, that. I think Corley Woodrow. Yeah, he's he's, he's a really good striker. Um, and obviously, but they've lost a few other players like Mawat and that, so maybe that's why they're struggling a little bit, but. I mean, we, we, I think we were linked to Callum Styles at some point or someone made a rumour and that would have been amazing if he'd come, but... Yeah, you know, he's yeah. a very good player, Styles. Yeah, so so I think I'll think i I'll be happy with a draw at Barnsley. It wouldn't be shocked to lose, though, against them. Uh, but it is a team that we should predominantly beat. But like I say, everyone's got this bogey side in the Championship and they seem to be ours. And then Birmingham is one of the grounds... Well, actually, not one of the grounds I ain't going to... But I ate Birmingham City with passion, mainly because of the... I don't know if any of you were there under Stuart Pearce, but Asan Belonga handballed the ball in the last minute and they scored from it. But the, but no one actually saw it. No, the referee yeah, didn't the, even see it. The, the, the fourth official, official gave it. And then, yeah. like, the following week, a fourth official could have helped us out and no one... And I've not, never seen a fourth official get involved in a game ever since. The official was from Derby in that game as well. Oh, classic. That's probably why. Um... <laughs> So yeah, it's just, and I think again, Birmingham is another ground we we tend to struggle at, um, and they're going well under Lee Bowyer. It has to be said. So yeah, three wins, two draws. Yeah, so I, again, you take a point like Reece says, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if if we lose there as well. But if we can go like we did at the weekend, obviously it's a, it's the only positive we've got to clutch onto. Then I don't see why not. We can't snatch something because we've we've got the players to do it. In my eyes, we've got the pace. We've got we've got some finishes. Who knows? If we might win the first two games, then suddenly you're on a bit of a roll, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. Lee, finally. I don't know where your optimism is, has gone, lad. <laughs> Chris Hutton's um, gone, Lee. <laughs> yeah, come on, we've won a game. Chris Hutton's gone. Yeah. Um, yeah, We're all going the up points now. that you've made. I'm just going to be a little bit more. <laughs> I think if Steve Cooper comes in, Stephen Reid's already shown we can play in this with this three-four-three. So, um, if Millwall are starting to play football, happy days because I think we'll beat them. Um, big yeah. If they're going to play like a, a team with five or six big lumps, then they'll probably get a result. Whether they'll have enough to beat us, I'm not sure. But if they are trying to play, everyone raves about Corbin Ball and him being Bielsa's little. Uh, Jaffa cake boy, but Huddersfield uh, they tried to play out the back yesterday and we, we got them. So if they're going to try and play football, I think we'll be on. Uh, so I'm going three points there. Let's go three nil, big win. Three nil, three nil, three nil. Lie down a minute, mate. Three goals. <laughs> Barnsley, yeah, tricky game, tough game. I do admire a lot to admire about Barnsley. Um, will we get a point? The fans? Probably not. I think we might lose that one. I'll go 1 0 narrow loss. Um, and then Birmingham again, bit of a dog hole of a ground, isn't it? It's one of them that I've been to <laughs> once and got no real desire to go back to. Um, yeah, same here for that. Yeah. Um, 
they have started okay, but I do think they are beatable. Um, I don't know why. I just think they are. Bowyer is a, a good manager again. Lots to like about what he tries to do, but I reckon we'll draw that one. Um, 1-1. One, one. Um, a couple of points. We'll probably score first in that one. I think they have got a lot. Now they've got Deeney in there. They've got a few options from the bench, oh, so yeah, that yeah. might come to bite us in that game, I think. So, yeah, 1-1. One, one. You watched Deeney's first goal be against us. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then there'll be a clamour for everyone to be sort of signed them my... elsewhere. Uh, again, yeah. <laughs> Never mind the new policy and philosophy, just bang it out the window and sign <laughs> Troy Deeney on 50 grand a week. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be very optimistic. I reckon, and I've thought this for a while, I think that team has it in them to win several games on the spin. I reckon we'll do Mill 2 0. Very comfortable. If they're playing football, we'll just munch them because the only problems they'll give us is when they start going direct. And even then, if we're playing three at the back, they won't get that much space or that much joy for Smith to get his knockdowns into, into someone else. So I think we'll win that 2-0. Barnsley have won one game and drawn five. I reckon that'll be tight. I can see that being a 0-0. Uh, glamour game, 0-0 draw. And then Birmingham, I've just got this feeling we're going to do them. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. I, I know they've uh, shipped a few goals in the last few games, but I've got a feeling we'll go there and turn them over. Again, 2-0, but one of those 2 nils that could easily be 3 or 4. So, yeah, I'm going 7 points. 7 points for the next 3 games. The Cooper, Cooper regime will be fully underway at this point. And then all this relegation chat will be left behind, much like Derby will be left behind when they get their successive relegations. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> anyway, um, thank you all guys uh, for listening to us. We'll be back in two weeks. Hope you enjoyed. And there's no doubt we'll have some question for you to engage with over that fortnight. Let's hope for us to get some wins on the board as well. See you later. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realising its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.